0: folks welcome back to a heavyweight special super show edition here on degenerate danger zone it's six letters six number letter combo ufc 251 that's what it's all about i am here with the mma heavyweight himself ryan thomas takeover and the man of many hats aka the sharp of the south of south buffalo ty b gentlemen how are we doing today
1: doing fantastic zach how are you no
0: complaints no complaints ready for a big card tie b i mean the hype is bubbling over like like a big bowl of soup right now
2: oh i'm ready to go just had that burnley draw plus 550 a great way to start the day i'm already up over a bill on a nice little bet the dogs are barking we'll see what that means for the ufc later
0: we're gonna take analysis at this card on the show Maybe find some value in there and see the roller coaster ride we are in for as we go to Fight Island. This show is sponsored by Posda Electric. Considering a residential or commercial electrical project, then consider our friends at Posda Electric. 716 698 2711. Mention Trainwreck Sports or say this train never stops and get a free house surge protector with every service upgrade. Posda Electric 716 698 2711. Gents, I said it already. The hype for tonight. It, it, it seems to be crazy. I mean, whether it's about the personalities going to head-to-head, the timelines on specifically the main event, the venue itself is Fight Island, and of course, the many titles at play. What do you think is the biggest factor going into that is a little bit of a perfect storm? Why does someone who's, who's never seen a UFC event, why do they need to tune in tonight to this UFC 251?
1: I would say that it's accumulation of everything, Maniac. It's it's the fact that they were able to make this event possible. Yaz Island, Fight Island, a lot of people thought, was Fight Island even real? Is this a real thing, or is Dana White just kind of blowing smoke? And it turned out it is real. Yaz Island, Abu Dhabi, three title fights. I mean, anytime there's been three title fights on one card, history's been made. So for casual fans that maybe haven't really uh, hop down the UFC bandwagon, or MMA bandwagon rather just yet, uh, they're going to see some history tonight. There's three title fights, a lot at play here, a lot at stake for all three divisions, um, and there's some very good fights on the main card uh, that aren't title fights, fights that would probably be main events on television cards or on ESPN uh, or ESPN Plus, so um, very excited for, for these fights, and I think it's accumulation of everything, Fight Island, Dana White, making it happen, and Fault with Gilbert Burns, incomes. comes – that's the fight that everyone's wanted to see for a long time.
2: Yeah, I think when you saw everything come out about UFC 251, your only complaint really could have been I would have taken Masvidal over Burns. But it, besides that, it's really a perfect storm for Dana White right now in the UFC because from a promotional standpoint, you have the right fighters in there. Uh, to get people to watch this type of event with those three title fights going on. And then you look at, you know, the personalities promoting it with the real hatred there between Masvidal and Usman. And the intrigue over, you know, is Aldo still, you know, a top-level fighter? Is he elite enough to become a champion yet again? And then can Holloway bounce back and beat Volkanovski and get his title back and there's a ton of great storylines in each of these weight classes, and then you still have fights like Rose Nama versus Jessica Andrade, which had one of the craziest endings to any UFC fight I've ever seen, where Rose got slammed on her head. So there's just so much on this card, and even in those prelims, Ryan and I, you know, we got a couple of fights to target on there, but there's just so much here and Dana being able to bring this to fruition and to get all the top fighters around the world together for this event is, it's just astounding.
0: Let's talk about that a little bit because Dana White, he's basically as much of a role player in UFC as any, you know, commissioner or owner is in any sport. Uh, He's kind of, I like it because he's kind of like a commissioner plus Don King rolled into one. Uh, But he always talks a big game. He says, tonight's main event, Uh, I believe this was yesterday at a press conference or later Thursday, trending higher than a McGregor event. And they said specifically Khabib McGregor was the only comparable one uh, with the hype going into this Fight Island main event. So I want to ask you both an honest take on this. Is this Uncle Dana blowing up an event that already has a lot of hype due to the timing and everything? Or do you think that this is an event that can deliver with the punch, with the impact that a McGregor, you know, card would?
1: I think that this is an event that will deliver the impact that a McGregor card will, um, or or could, uh, past or or in the future. You know, Conor McGregor is still a big, massive star for the company, but a lot of things have to go into, come to fruition. The fights do have to deliver. Although on paper, this is a great card. There's been a lot of great cards in UFC history that haven't really delivered, whether they're grudge matches that didn't just, you know didn't really get anybody going um, come the end of the fight time. You're like, ah, oh, those guys didn't really go toe-to-toe like we thought they would. It was more of a wrestling match. Um, I don't think that's going to happen, though. I think with these fights tonight, we're going to see a phenomenal card. Dana is known to fluff things up a little bit. I mean, he's the greatest fight promoter that's, that there's ever been, in my opinion. So I think it's a little bit of both. It's Dana fluffing up the card as well as this card is just stacked. I mean, B went through it, you know, Rose Namajunas and Jessica Andrade would be a main event in any other case. Um, Paige Van Zandt even making her return against Amanda Rivas. She's a main event fighter. She's fought on main events before and not one, not two, but three title fights. Um, This is UFC history being made and it's obviously trending upward, UFCstore.com. They're selling a lot of Fight Island t-shirts. A lot of it is the Fight Island mystique. People want to know, is this on the beach? Is this, you know, as advertised? And we're going to find out tonight. A lot of intrigue.
2: (laughs) It's obviously not going to be on the beach the way people expect because just being able to get sort of the lighting and the cameras and all that situated would be, you know, a a massive overtaking that would be very, very expensive to do and wouldn't really be worth it unless you're, you know, investing in it for the long run. Um, just you know, these four—I think it's four events. Um, it wouldn't really be worth it for the UFC. But I really do think that this event could be one of those events that gets those same McGregor type of numbers in terms of pay-per-view buys and viewers, because you just look at all three of these title fights are very intriguing for fight fans. I don't think—I don't think you can really be let down, you know, going into it, you know, knowing what's on this card if you—if you're going to be the one putting your money out there um obviously with social distancing people aren't going to be having you know tons of watch parties and things like that but i think this is one of those cards that if you're a casual fan and you don't you know know whether or not to put your money in to watch it and you know if especially if you're going to be betting on it i would say to definitely buy it because it's going to be electric tonight they it's a stacked it's a stack card
0: i mean i would love to see some fighting in the sand but yeah I think we're going to see a standard setup, RT. You got me hyped up, though. Fight on the beach. Let's go. Let's oh, get no. into this event. Obviously, uh, right. we've seen in their partnership, uh, UFC broadcasting with ESPN, ESPN+. Plus. They'll start on ESPN and then shift to the uh, pay-per-view exclusive option, of course. Five bouts on that main card. So speaking of the events that, you know, obviously any casual viewer will be able to see on ESPN as kind of a, like, you know, the round of the prelims, which fight specifically out of that batch intrigues you the
1: most? Uh, for me, I would say it's it's a light heavyweight bout between uh, Volkan Ozdemir and Yuri Prochazka. Hopefully I pronounced that right. Uh, Ozdemir, former light heavyweight contender. He fought Daniel Cormier for the light heavyweight title. Always known as a tough, durable, uh, solid fighter in the light heavyweight division. There's a lot of intrigue within that, within that division right now. Uh, wondering what's going to happen with John Jones if he's actually going to uh, cave in and and sign on the you know contract for lesser money to fight again or you know there's a lot of questions hanging over that division Dominic Reyes is a top contender he fought John Jones tooth and nail um, and Ozmir still within that you know top 10 where he needs to get back in the win column and get another win to get closer to a title shot and Yuri Prochaska I think 26 and 3 I mean that's a really good MMA record um, and was a was a guy that the UFC had a lot of interest in and in bringing him in, and he's delivered. So this is a big step up in competition for him, and it's an intriguing fight for the light heavyweight division.
2: Yep, and I'm looking there at the middleweight class. Uh, the fight between Dos Santos and Salikov has a lot of implications for them. Dos Santos is a guy who's been you know around that top fifteen rankings for a while. Is he going to make a push? And you have Salikov, who's on a three fight win streak. But specifically looking at Dos Santos here, he's 22-6, 14 knockouts, three by submission. Only 19% of his fights have gone to decision, and he's at plus 108 in this fight. Um, and on the flip side here, Muslim Salikov, 16-2, 12 KOs. Uh, he's on that three-fight win streak, like I mentioned. And his fight uh, fights last an average of eight minutes and 47 seconds. He likes to get out of there early, first, second round type thing. Only 7% of his fights have gone to decision. I think the money here is not to bet on the fighters, but to bet on whether or not this fight will go to the distance. It's almost even here. It's plus 108 for yes, minus 134 for the no. I would definitely put money on no. These guys very, very rarely go to decision. And for it to be
0: around an even line, I think there's a ton of value right there. Finding the sharp side of some value there. Love it, Tybee. And uh, with that said, so that's the interest there in the prelims. Let's get on to the main card. A ton, a buffet of action once you get there. Tons of titles at stake. So we start out with Jessica Andrade versus... What was that last name, RT? Give me that. I mean, Jessica, give me that pronunciation. Jessica
1: Andraj. Andraj. Well,
0: Andraj, but but what's Rose's yeah. last name? Nama Yunis? N- 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 Nama Yunis. Nama, Yunus. Nama Yunus. Okay, yep. Nama I just don't yep. want to be disrespectful. I want to show these ladies. They are <laughs> obviously like I would yep. any competitor. But looking at that fight, guys, you got Rose as a minus 215 favorite. What do you think we're going to see when these two go head-to-head in the octagon?
1: I think this, for for as stacked as this card is, I think this fight has the potential to be quote-unquote fight of the night. That's a really bold statement by me, but you want to talk about some bad blood. Maybe they're not going back and forth in the uh, interviews, you know, throwing insults at one another, but there is a lot at stake here for both of these ladies. Rose Namajunas lost her title to Jessica Andrade, as Tybee mentioned. Jessica Andrade picked her up, slammed her. Rose landed awkwardly on her neck, on her head. And um, Rose has been out for, for a long time. She's had a lot of things going on personally, um, not just losing her title, but she lost a couple family members to the COVID-19 uh, virus, unfortunately. And um, for her to kind of get back into the swing of things this quickly, she's talked about how she needs this fight in order to get her, her energy. And Andrade is the perfect opponent. Who better to come back to fight against than the woman that took your title away from you and now Andrade has obviously lost the belt as well to the current champion Wayley Zhang um, I'm very excited for this fight I think it's going to be back and forth I think this will be um, a slugfest between two very tough ladies and two ladies that are high level mixed martial artists
2: yeah I think first time out I, I think Rose I probably had her ahead of my scorecard until you know Jessica really showed her strength and you can see it when the two of them are standing near each other and I think that's where Rose is gonna to have to be a little bit more calculated not get herself into those bad situations because she was going you know trying to slip around trying to get an arm trying to you know do something threaten the submission which she's very good at but Andrade was not having any of that and like like we said she just slammed her so it's going to be very interesting to see the strategy Rose has in this one. I'm surprised she is as big of a favorite as she is because of what happened last time. But I, I, I hope she gets this one done uh, for her sake because I'm a big fan of thug Rose.
0: Okay. Love to hear it. Next going on. We got the women's flyweight. We got Amanda Rivas taking on Paige van Zant. The odds on this one, a little bit more lopsided. Uh, Revis yeah. going in minus 770, Van Zandt at plus 500, RT.
1: Yeah, th- this is a classic case. You know, I'm talking to Degenerate Al. We discussed this, and he said, Ryan, how, why is Revis so, so much of a favorite? And and she's on a tear. I mean, she's she's really rifled through some opponents in, in relatively short fashion. Um, she's made easy work out of her opponents. Um, and – Paige Van Zandt hasn't fought in a little while and, and she's had some devastating injuries. She had multiple surgeries on her forearm. And obviously if you're an athlete in, in any sport, your forearm is pretty important, especially for fighting, I'd say. So um, Paige Van Zandt making this return and she's on the last fight of her UFC contract. So there's a little bit of um, free agency at play here. If Paige Van Zandt wins this fight in dominating fashion and, and beats Rivas who's you know walked through a lot of fighters she can really name her price with any of the any of the mma organizations out of the ufc bellator one fc should be a top flight free agent if she loses this fight she might not be back in the ufc and um that, i think that's a very intriguing storyline heading into this fight she's gonna get yeah. relegated
0: out of the ufc <laughs>
1: I think so. I think, you know, if she gets walked through, like Revis has walked through a lot of her opponents, um, she hasn't fought in a long time. She's kind of let her voice be heard as far as her uh, frustrations with the UFC. And, you know, they're not going to be quick to renegotiate a contract with her when she's on a losing skid and she's only fought once in two years. So how durable is she at this point? Can she get this win over a tough opponent? A lot of questions, with Paige Van Zandt and I think that's why she's the massive underdog that she is but underdog, schmunderdog, it's MMA and anything can happen.
2: Exactly what I was just going to say the biggest underdog on the card But what happens when you back a dog into a corner they usually bite so that's a situation right here where you can have that from Van Zant because I see you know it's been happening recently more that some of these contracts are out you know in the open where we have these people who we know are you know on that last fight of their contract or you know are taking a fight on a short you know short jump and it's their first ufc fight some of these these people really come in and fight with no you know just reckless abandon come out early and get a quick win and just kind of overwhelm their opponents because they're fighting with nothing to lose you know basically you're have everything to gain so, for Paige Van Zandt right here, I think this is a huge opportunity. Will she get it done? I don't know. But at plus 500,
1: it might be worth a little, a little dabble there. And well, it, she's in phenomenal shape, too. I mean, she, she's got rock-hard abs. I mean, she's in great shape. She said that she's been training harder for this fight than any fight in her career. So Yeah, you've got to
2: think the conditioning and everything. She's been, you know, rehabbing and doing all this. It's got to at least be there, you know, for two, three rounds here.
0: Let me ask you both real quick, because I know you guys both, from what I've heard, tend to like the underdogs on this card, and Paige Van Zandt's obviously the biggest one. 10 to 15 seconds from each, starting with RT. How can she win this match? Does she want to go quick, or does she want to wait her out?
1: She wants it to be um, a, a, a grind of a fight, I think. Um, it, Paige Van Zandt wants to really make a statement. And sometimes I think what is more of a statement is if you can fight someone and dominate them over fifteen minutes, then winning in the first or second round is as, as, as exciting as a first or second round knockout is, or a submission, any sort of finish, TKO. As exciting as that is, Paige Van Zant's got to come out of this, you know, making a statement, a dominant statement. And I think um, Revis has been very exciting as a fighter, but there are some places that some opponents haven't taken her yet. And I think Paige Van Zandt does have the experience to take her there. She's been fighting in the UFC since she was 20 years old. You know, to put things in perspective, um, she's been fighting in the UFC for five or six years. She's still very young. Um, she's still got a bright future. No matter where she ends up, whether it's the UFC or, or elsewhere, she's going to be around a long time.
2: Yeah, I, I think the key is going to be to hit those significant strikes early and to be accurate with them. She has a little bit of a better accuracy than Rebus, and but Rebus has a little bit more output. So to counteract that, you got to be a little bit more accurate with what you're doing. Um, similar size women, so it's going to be tough um, really gauging that distance early. So you got to be accurate
0: early. All right. Well, they'll hope to be accurate early and on the mark, especially if Van Zant's going to pull off that upset, Moving on, the vacant UFC bantamweight championship. I hate when a championship's vacant. Let's get that on somebody. Let's get them promoting that title. And they're going to be, someone's going to be walking away with it as Peter Yan takes on Jose Aldo tonight. Now I'll say, I'll just be honest, I've never heard of Peter Yan. So it's one of those where as a casual UFC guy, I've heard of Jose Aldo. I'm a little bit familiar with him. Peter Yan, I don't know so much about. So Tell me why Peter Yan, almost basically a a touchdown favorite going into this matchup.
1: Well, Maniac, he's on a nine-fight win streak. Uh, Anytime you can rattle off a win streak in MMA and and put it close to double digits, that lets the folks at home know, whether they're casual fans or hardcore fans, that this guy's special. He can take guys down, neutralize his opponent, and his stand-up game has obviously gotten much, much better. His last fight, he fought Uriah Faber, who's a legend in the sport. Now, that Uh, guy, I yeah 40 year old Uriah Faber you know who was a little bit inactive he was on a two-year retirement um, but Uriah Faber was coming off a win over Ricky Simone so there was some momentum there and Pierre Jan just just shut it down I mean he he, he pretty much neutralized Uriah Faber um, hit him extremely often in that fight and um, you, what's really interesting about this fight is that these guys have trained together and they trained together back in 2016 that was when Jose Aldo was the UFC featherweight king. Now he moves down a weight class, gets a chance to somewhat restart his career. He fights Marlon Rice, Aldo, and in unprecedented fashion, he's getting this title fight off of a loss. Jose Aldo is getting a title fight off of a loss. So I thought it was a fight that he won over Marlon Rice, but Aldo, still, you know, one of the big names in the sport, the UFC powers that be, said he won that fight over Marlon Rice. Now he's getting the shot over a fighter that's on a nine fight win streak. And Maniac, you can be frustrated that this is a vacated title, but you can only be frustrated at Henry Cejudo, who vacated the belt. Now these two sharks are going to be in the Shark Tank in Yas Island. We're going to find out which one can bite.
2: Yeah, Yep. And that thing with Aldo and Morais was absolutely crazy. I had a couple friends watching that fight with me. And at the end, he had, you know, they asked, Oh, who do you think won? And Me and my buddy, David, who watches the time, <laughs> UFC as well, both said immediately, Aldo, it's like no question. And then they read the results and we were both just completely baffled. There were a couple decisions that night, but the one great thing about the UFC and Dana White is that they don't really care. They know the decisions are kind of flawed. Um, they'll do what they have to do to put the right fights together. And this is going to be a great fight. You have Jan, who's been kind of rolling over people, a lot of power in that division, and it kind of overwhelms some of these guys. Um, I was sort of surprised Aldo ended up getting this fight. Um, I think you got a couple other guys there that might have been more intriguing. Obviously Garbrandt just fought. um, And, you know, now he's probably in that decision, but you just have a ton of people there, I think, waiting in the waters for them after with names like Sean O'Malley so who knows if it's going to be a long title run for either of these guys but I think tonight I'm leaning uh, Jan just because that power I think is going to be you know what takes him over the top to Aldo here.
0: Okay so Jan minus 215 but so you're both predicting Jan to win.
1: I actually think Aldo has a stake in this fight. I I, think I wanted to say, because I asked
0: you for your yeah. lock the other day, and you told right. me a parlay, including Aldo, who's an underdog, which right. is, a, uh, believe me, I love the play, but I'm surprised you gave right. me that as your lock, RT.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I honestly think that experience outweighs an attribute uh, in certain fights, and I've seen Aldo's experience win him tons of fights obviously he was the featherweight king for a long long time the question is when these guys stand and trade is Aldo going to dictate the pace with a weapon that he hasn't really used in quite some time and I mentioned a name Uriah Faber back in the day Jose Aldo Uriah Faber fought in the WEC world extreme cage fighting they had a blue octagon it was awesome it was an awesome organization and Jose Aldo just chopped Uriah Faber's legs off with, with devastating leg kicks. I want to see that Jose Aldo. If that Jose Aldo that can attack the legs early and often um, goes in there against Peter Yan, I think he can win this fight for sure. So I'm going Aldo as an underdog for sure. Love to see it. Love to see it. And then moving on uh, last,
0: the the co-main event, and by the way, in the WWE you never get a title shot coming off a loss, so I'm saying Uncle Dana's a little bit on the hot seat. I think Vince McMahon's got a little leverage
1: there when it comes it's to that. It's Jose Aldo, though. There's there's history on the line here. That is fair. I, I guess Leon, if Lesnar you know. if
0: Lesnar loses, he could get like a WWE title shot. I, I guess there there are your superstars that you can make exceptions for. Speaking of exceptions, I I will not make exceptions for calling things the co-main event. I get that. Obviously, you want to put this UFC featherweight belt in the uh, in the spotlight we got the champion, uh, Alexander Volkanovsky uh, versus Max Holloway in this one. So, obviously, the odds in this one, very similar. You're seeing a lot of plus 160 to plus 190 range versus minus 220 to minus 260 range. It's the same here. Max Holloway plus 185, Volkanovsky minus 230. What do you think we're going to see in this co-main event, gents?
1: I think this is going to be a back-and-forth fight. Um, The first fight was very back and forth, very intriguing. Bokonofsky was just a little bit quicker, just a little bit smarter to the punch, kind of beating Holloway to the punch. I think Holloway's going to have to make some adjustments. I think that if this fight is kind of a sequel, it is a sequel to the first fight, but if it continues where these guys left off, Holloway was actually doing pretty well in those later rounds. He was finding his rhythm, finding his stride, and finding his reach. If he can continue that, I think Holloway can win this fight. I I really like Alexander Volkanovsky. He's got a lot of skills, uh, very diverse skill set. He can really fight anywhere. But I think if Holloway continues where he left off from the first fight with Volkanovsky, I think he can get the W. And as an underdog play, I'm kind of continuing the underdog thoughts off of Aldo. I think Max Holloway, great champion when he was the featherweight king. Um, I, I think he can get his belt back, though, if he fights like he did in those last few rounds of the first fight.
2: Yeah, I think it's very possible. But watching that first fight, I thought Volkanovski really was just beating up on Max, and yeah, he found his stride late, but he was still, you know, taking a little, too late to to, to yeah. figure it out. Um, it, it's a very, very interesting matchup because when you look at this fight and you look at these two guys standing next to each other, Max Holloway five eleven, Volkanovski only five six, and then you look at the arm spans, and Volkanovski somehow has a two and a half inch longer reach so it kind of negates that whole height thing and he had no issues finding his range especially early lots of good power punches Um, he was able to beat max's legs up so he wasn't able to get around as much as he normally does i think that's one of max's biggest strengths is his mobility within the ring being able to evade and being able to get into the right spots to find those punches and volkanowski i think was beating him to almost every spot early And that really caused problems to him and created a lot of damage. If Volkanovsky is able to do that again, I think he'll get a nice sound victory. Um, I don't know why Chael Sonnen, you know, keeps trying to beat the drum that, you know, he had Holloway winning, you know, decisively. And I I don't know how anyone had it, you know, decisively that way when you look at, you know, any of the stats or if you watch the fight again. Um, Holloway really took a beating in that one. So he's obviously going to be ready. And he's going to be pissed off. You know, he's going to want to take it back to Alexander the Great. But we'll see if he can have a long reign or not. This, this is, you know, where champions and their reigns are made. Can you defend it? You know, it, he was very upset about people like Chael Sonnen saying it was, you know, an up for grabs fight. He wants to close the book on Max Hallway tonight. I think he gets it
0: done. Okay, so you got your, we got a split decision as far as the co-main event goes. We have RT on Max Holloway, and we have Ty B riding the champion, Volkanovsky. Um, so stay tuned for that, obviously. And gents, uh, again, I'm not going to claim to be a UFC expert, but this is the biggest UFC event of the summer, without a doubt, right?
1: It's the, the biggest year, UFC event of the year, yeah. <laughs> and and, it, and uh, I know there will be bigger events, but I think even in hindsight, this will be the biggest event of 2020.
0: Okay, the reason I ask is because if you have any casual UFC fan, the first athlete they're likely to ask about is Conor McGregor. So I'm asking you now, we're recording this in the early afternoon, Saturday, day of Fight Island. What is going to be the potential fallout of tonight? I mean, maybe we'll get a McGregor statement before. I mean, if I'm him, I'm going to release a statement during the event because obviously it'll be all eyes. It'll get the coverage. What are the scenarios there? for the notorious one, and what could tonight's events have an effect on that? How could they do that?
1: Well, I have to take back what I just said. You know, Uh-oh. This, this, this is Man, the biggest a first event. first time
0: for everything, folks. This, this,
1: is, this is the biggest event of 2020. But if Jorge Masvidal gets it done over Kamaru Usman, the biggest fight in UFC history is not Habib versus Conor McGregor. No. It is Jorge Masvidal versus Conor mm-hmm. McGregor for the undisputed UFC welterweight title. That is the biggest fight in the sport. There's no fight bigger. Um, the best part about it is if Jorge Masvidal gets it done tonight on six days notice, Dana White's going to fast track that fight. You better believe oh, it. Oh, yeah. Um, between Masvidal and, and McGregor. He's going to do anything he if can. if Conor loses the fight to Masvidal, let's just say, you know, Cristobal, he loses. The Abib fight is still there because Connor can fight in two, two different weight classes. Um, so technically you can find three different weight classes, but the featherweight days are long gone, but I, that is the, that is what is at stake here. If Jorge Masvidal gets it done over Kamau Usman, the fight to make, the next fight to make is Jorge Masvidal versus Conor McGregor. Both guys have the appeal, the charisma. It would be a barn burner of a fight. They actually have a connection in the fact that they fought Nate Diaz, kind of fought him twice. Hori fought him once. They both beat Nate Diaz. So, for your mind open up your mind and just envision that great fight oh you
2: you just said it perfectly there's there's nothing I can even add to that to make it sound any sweeter that's you know (laughs) every UFC fans pipe dream basically if you're Conor McGregor there's no chance I think you take a fight with Usman because the probably the physical beating you're going to take even if you end up winning that fight it's (laughs) it's not going to be fun we saw what happened to Colby Covington so I, I really, really, uh, let's let's get into this Monster Doll fight.
0: That's all all right, <laughs> let's get into it. It's main event time, folks. Again, UFC getting right on brand, like you said, six days notice from Ezeval. I mean, real quick, again, before we get into the fight itself, it, if this goes off with all the hoopla and hype that Dana White has alleged, obviously Fight Island played a role into it, the fact that we are so much longer into this pandemic. It's been longer without sports. I mean, this could change the scape of the way that UFC does things, right? I mean, maybe before they wanted to have months and months to hype fights up. But if they see a monster success from a main event like this, I mean, they might be tempted to do maybe only do a couple weeks of preparation for a big event. Just real quick thoughts on that, guys.
1: It's, it's possible. I mean, I think this is just one of those lightning in a bottle circumstances where the fight that everyone wanted, and with all due respect to Gilbert Burns, my, my thoughts are with him. He tested positive for COVID. He was originally slotted to fight Kamaru Usman um, in, in the, you know, main event slot. People really want to see this Kamaru Usman, Hore Masvidal fight. This is a fight that gets the juices flowing for a hardcore fan, a casual fan. And this is just a lightning in a bottle event where you have the fight that everyone wanted to see on short notice. Yaz Island, Abu Dhabi, you better believe it. I don't know if you guys have checked the news lately, at least in Las Vegas, Vegas is starting over its phases. They're technically going back to phase one, one and a half, two. So they're not going to be fighting in the UFC apex, I don't think, anytime soon. At least, you know, just, just my thoughts. I don't, I don't see it. So they'll probably be doing more events on Yaz Island in Abu Dhabi. Beautiful place, by the way. I mean, all the uh, ambiance of, of the hotels and everything. The fighters are loving it out there. Can so you have a greater name for
0: this place? Yaz Island. I mean, I think that's Yaz! what I think that's what all the UFC fans are
1: saying. Yaz! Right, right, right. Yeah, I mean, you can't get much as far as continuing these events. I'm I'm certain that we'll be we'll be seeing more UFC cards on Fight Island throughout the year and maybe even in the next year too.
2: Yeah, yeah, just forecasting from, you know, what we're seeing right now with the numbers where phew, We're hitting, you know, record peaks still, unfortunately. Um, I think, you know, the UFC might have to sort of move uh, their cargo bay, if you will, you know, for intaking everyone to export them out to Abu Dhabi. You know, they might have to take that out of Vegas. Maybe New York still has that 14-day quarantine. But similar places that have, you know, lower numbers right now where you can bring them in, get the testing done, make sure they're good before – they get out to Yas Island if they're within the States, but you have a ton of, you know, fighters who are like the Brazilians, but it's uh, the numbers are kind of bad down there too. Um, But, you know, a lot of European fighters who haven't fought in a while, so you can continue to put cards together out there. Um, I don't think necessarily, you know, putting these together in um, two to three weeks notice is great for the long term. I think um, the fighters would rather have, you know, a full training camp knowing who they're going to fight. Um, Not just sort of speculation, like these are a couple names you might have. Um, These are the people, you know, who haven't fought in a while, and they're ranked around you. So like, you got to speculate. But, you know, besides that, this sort of fell together well, and Masvidal Usman, they kind of thought it was going to happen, you know, a little over a month ago, to begin with. So everyone's you know talking about this short rest well a lot of these guys have known these fights were going to happen at some point they just didn't know exactly when so they have been getting ready for them a little bit longer um, than anyone thinks they've just been in these camps you know sort of secluded so you know you you hear less about it but they have been preparing for these fights so I think you know we'll still see a good product and I don't necessarily think we're going to see you know long-term post-COVID you know quick turnaround events but i could see them doing more of these stacked cards two or three times a year where you get multiple title fights rather than trying to do you know just one title fight per event
0: yeah giving the people what they want and like we said it's main event time bruce buffer joe rogan dana white all eyes it's on this match we got Uzma. Time. Five rounds. <laughs> i want to hear you nothing do nothing end. gets me I, more RT, excited. to end the show i want to hear you do that but we got Usman minus 265, Masvidal plus 205. So we are going to go to judgment on this, Jen. So again, give me about, you know, give me your breakdown on both these guys, what we can expect to see. Give me the evidence that we're going to see in this case tonight. But again, don't give me the verdict. Just give me the evidence of what we're going to see in this main event.
1: The evidence is that this is a striker in Masvidal versus a wrestler matchup in Kamal Usman. And, the evidence is Kamaru Usman is undefeated in the UFC. He's won 12 straight fights, and he hasn't just won the 12 straight fights. He's dominated the 12 straight fights. Going back to what I said a little bit earlier about it's impressive to get a TKO, a submission, or a flush knockout win. What I find even more impressive is a guy that can implement his game on his opponent, push the pace of the fight, and Kamara Usman does that just as good as about anybody outside of a bee, I would say. So, um, in terms of the wrestling acumen that Clown Usman has, this is a classic wrestler versus striker, striker versus wrestler matchup. And really, I look at this fight. It's a five-round fight. It's spread out. It's a title fight. Five minute, five five-minute rounds. Usman's got to go in there and implement his wrestling game. The biggest chance for Masvidal to win this fight is within the first two, maybe within the first three rounds. If this is going into the fourth or going into the fifth, I think that's bad news for Jorge Masvidal.
2: Yeah, so when I'm looking at this fight, you're talking about these two opposing styles. I just watched the UFC 4 trailer. Don't know if you saw that yet, RT, but I'm going to quote it a little bit here. Um, You have two artists, mixed martial artists, out there on the canvas, and they're trying to impose their will to – Impose their art you know onto the canvas, whether it 's striking versus wrestling in this, but we look at Usman striking and it 's very, very good as well it's it's maybe more technical than Masvidal. I think Masvidal is a little flashier and has you know sort of these things that nobody else in the world can really do, and you can 't duplicate this when you 're training and he's going to be unorthodox he 's been you know fighting since he was fighting in you know Miami backyards when he was nineteen. Uh, When Kimbo Slice called him up and he's eating a burger, finishes the burger, goes, knocks someone out. So this is what he's done for his entire career. And you have a guy like Usman who's got to use that wrestling early on, I think, to sort of slow Masvidal's striking down. He's not going to be able to do these sort of high energy maneuvers that he, he so often employs. When you look at how he was beating up Nate Diaz, it came in a bevy of ways. Um, with his hands, you know, over over the top, you know, uppercuts, swinging, or you know, spinning backfists, all sorts of stuff, um, flying knees. He's got it all in his arsenal. So for him, he's got to try to get out there early and catch Usman slipping, and you got to get out of this fight early. I don't think he really slipped real far um, in terms of his conditioning as that fought, fight with Nate went on. I, Nate, you know, thought he was going to turn it around, but I didn't see that Masvidal was continuing to keep his foot on the gas well enough while eating some shots. And it didn't slow him down much. So I'm very interested to see if Usman is going to use his traditional game plan where he's going to infuse the wrestling naturally um, and take a little bit of those shots, get him to the ground, and use that brute strength he has. Uh, but I'm very – he could also, you know, do what he did against Colby where he's Stood up the entire time. I mean, obviously, Colby, you know, different different ball game because he is such a strong wrestler as well. But we've seen different game plans from Usman. What's it going to be tonight?
0: All right, you guys have broken down the styles, the likely outcomes, the likely game plans going into this fight. Now tell our audience, who's it going to be? Is it going to be the McGregor dream, Masvidal pulling off the upset at plus 205, or is Usman going to retain at minus 265? Main event picks brought to you by Paz the Electric.
1: Main event pick for me, I have to go with the side of the wrestler. I think the wrestler more oftentimes than not can dictate the pace, push the pace, impose his will uh, on his opponent. And you know, for Jorge Mazaro to take this fight on six days notice, it's brilliant because win, lose, or draw, it's not an excuse. He took this fight on six days notice. Um, if he puts out a good showing, if this fight goes five rounds and it's back and forth maybe we see a rematch you know if this fight is a successful financial fight it, it, like I think it will be maybe we see Usman Masvidal too depending on how competitive this fight actually is but if this fight plays out like I think it's going to I think Usman will impose his will early uh, get Masvidal to fade a little bit in the third fourth round and if Usman does finish the fight I'd see it maybe in the fourth or fifth much like uh, his fight versus Covington. And for Masvidal, if he wins this, it's going to be in the first or second round. Beyond that, I, I just think Kamaru Usman's too tough, uh, too um, too strong, to be quite honest, uh, in, in the octagon. There's fights that he has had where he's fought Tyron Woodley. He's out-muscled Tyron Woodley. Anyone that knows Tyron Woodley, that guy is as big and well-to-weight as any. Um, and he made him look kind of weak in there. And, and with Colby Covington, he pushed the pace. That fight really impressed me. In terms of on the feet his his striking is getting better so I, I do see Usman winning this fight this dream scenario of Hory Masvidal and Conor McGregor unfortunately might not come to fruition for a belt but who's to say it won't happen without a bell?
2: hey I'm gonna keep on dreaming I think Game Brad is gonna get it done he's came up through this game, everything that's been thrown at him, and he's handled it well, and he's got himself into a position here to absolutely baptize Kamaru Usman and to get himself one of the biggest paydays in UFC history if he can get that title and possibly ink a deal with Conor McGregor. When you have all that laid out in front of you, as Masvidal has, because he knows that's there. He knows all these you know, inner workings of how you plan these major fights as you've seen with the bmf title with nate diaz and the promotion that went around that he knows what he's doing and his streak lately of ending fights just so miraculously with darren till um ben nice askren man. it's uh, i'm just ready for another one give me masvidal first or second round tko ko and take it to the bank
1: we got tybee ta- ta- R- not- yeah, to, to be not to, or, uh, Zach, not to interrupt you, I, I, I love Kamara Usman, but I do hope, like rooting interest, mm-hmm. for me as an MMA fan, I am rooting for Jorge Masvidal, I want to let that be known, I am rooting for him, I just fight styles, analytics, whatever you want to call it, yeah. it's, it's a tough fight for Jorge, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, whether Does you a-
2: like Jorge or not, he's easily a top five most exciting fighter in the UFC right now, hands down, it's not even close.
0: Oh. Just real quick before we get out of this, then. So, RT, do you think there's value on Masvidal at plus 205, though? Because he's one of the bigger underdogs on the card.
1: I do think there's value in him as an underdog. Um, but slowly but surely, you know, these, these odds, people are putting their money on Masvidal, and now the odds are starting to change. I just, looking at it betting-wise and fight-wise, I just see Jorge, Mas- Jorge Masvidal's back against the cage via the clinch or with his back on the canvas um, on bottom position with, with Kamau Usman just trying to punch him as much as he can. That's yeah. that's the only way I envision this fight going down. And I would lo- I would love to see Horry Masvidal win this fight. I love Horry Masvidal. Great fighter. The story is amazing, and the opportunity for him is massive to then beat Usman and then fight Conor McGregor. Yep. I just don't see it, man. I, It's tough.
2: That's why I think the value there is that, t uh tko or ko first or second round first rounds plus 725 second rounds plus 1150 you're going to guarantee yourself good money if that hits
1: if it's gonna go down for masvidal it's it's in the first three rounds i will say third round is 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 as late as he's got to to make this happen
0: and that's a great take from you guys there's no value well there is value i guess if you want to you know play as a safe play value taking masvidal you know into the decision or that type of thing but yeah an early round, that's probably what it's going to be for a striker like him. Shout out to you guys. Thank you for that. Pause the electric. Main event picks against Pause the electric. 716-698-2711. If you're considering a residential or commercial electrical project, give them a call. We will go with one real quick bonus. Well, we got the, the uh, South Buffalo Sharp and the MMAX expert in the building. So I asked you before, you know, what like what the outcomes would be for McGregor. Will we hear from Conor
1: McGregor tonight? Yes or no? 100%. 100%. We'll hear from him as soon as the fight starts and as soon as it, as soon as it ends. There's nobody that is as dialed in as Conor McGregor in terms of the landscape of what's going on. He'll tweet something. He'll, yeah. Um, especially if Masvidal wins this fight. You better believe it.
2: <laughs> oh, we'll, we'll get a tweet, maybe even a video if we're lucky. I, I think he's going right. to at least show his face in some
0: way or another. And that's what it's all about. Enjoying these fights and getting lucky, finding this value. Huge shout out to Ryan Thomas, our Train Sports MMA expert, and of course, Ty B, the South Buffalo Sharp, the man of many hats. I'm Maniac. You've tuned into Degenerate Danger Zone, special showdown episode for UFC 251 brought to you by Pazda Electric. Don't get in the auto zone, get in the Degenerate Danger Zone. And you guys know, when it comes to these UFC events, we're only looking for three words. Good fights now. Thank you.